Hi, I'm Wendy Grant. I'm Director of Marketing and Communications for the Fleet Science Center in San Diego, located in beautiful Balboa Park. We're here today to talk about the fleet's newest film, Aircraft Carrier Guardian of the Seas. And we have two special guests with us, Mark Krenzine, the producer of Aircraft Carrier, and Captain Craig Clapperton, Special Assistant to the Commander, Naval Air Forces, and really, star of the show. <laughs> The carrier's the star yeah, of the show. <laughs> somebody has to lead it. <laughs> yeah, somebody's driving. Sure. <laughs> so, Mark, what is Aircraft Carrier about? Well, Aircraft Carrier is essentially about the the history of naval forces uh, through time, uh, as focused on uh, how complex and amazing uh, naval ships have been since the beginning of time. They almost always represented the apex of human technology. Even the first road and uh, primitive ships were still the best that was there. And so director Stephen Lowe, a very clever lad, came up with the idea of telling the story of the modern American Navy, tracing the history of naval ships all the way through time up to this apex of the modern American aircraft carrier. So Craig, um, RIMPAC is the rim of the Pacific Maritime Exercise, and that's right. really the focus of the film, um, and that brings together navies of many nations. So tell us, civilians, what is RIMPAC and what's its goal? So RIMPAC is, a, just as you've said, is a multinational naval exercise. Uh, in the RIMPAC from this particular film, there were 22 different countries involved. And uh, it involved naval ships of all different sizes. So from, from small corvettes and frigates all the way up to aircraft carriers, uh, fixed wing aircraft uh, on the carrier and, and from the islands as well. Uh, and the goal is uh, really to improve our interoperability and to better understand how each different country approaches a problem and to figure out exactly what specific capabilities they bring to the table. So uh, as we look at challenges uh, from the military perspective in, in now and into the future, no one country can solve all those problems on their own and, and no one country can be all the places that it needs to be at the same time. Uh, and even though you may be a small nation, uh, you may have a niche capability that is incredibly useful for the specific mission that you're trying to accomplish. Uh, and if you could then embark that unique uh, niche capability onto an aircraft carrier or onto a destroyer uh, that has the speed and the range to get you where you need to, uh, it can be incredibly useful. So, so operations and exercises like RIMPAC are incredibly useful to figure out how we can work better as uh, a partnership and an alliance as we move forward in the future. And to be clear, the film tells this, this historical story during the, the unfolding of a RIMPAC exercise. That's kind of the the parentheses that hold the whole story in. So we, we see all this come together during the course of mm -hmm. the film. Yeah, and it's really fascinating. Um, so why did you want to make this film, Mark? Well, um, the the military has had a, a long um, kind of relationship with giant screen films. There's so much happening that there's, there's no better way you could experience what it's like to be on a flight deck than in a giant screen film. So this is something that's been on the radar of writer-director Stephen Lowe and the film's producer production company, um, Bob and Mark Kresser, for some time. In fact, Stephen's first involvement was uh, to go back to the RIMPAC exercise of 2014, which was a good year before the major production started just to get the background mm -hmm. footage. So I think it was, it was a story that we like to tell. There are museums and science centers around the world that want to inform uh, an audience about what our military does. And so this was a chance we were looking for for a long time. Yeah, and you know the, the opportunity uh, to give people granted via film, and, and in this case IMAX, of what it's like to stand on an aircraft carrier, what it's like to be near those airplanes, what it's like to be on a carrier seat. It's a great way to reach 
you know, thousands of people. Now, we certainly embark uh, visitors on board the aircraft carrier while we're underway, but we do that in, you know, dozens at a time. So even over a longer deployment or a longer exercise period, you might get hundreds of people. Whereas reaching out in a, in a, in a, in a, in a format like IMAX, you can literally get tens of thousands or millions of people over time uh, to really experience this and understand it. And it's a great way to tell the story. And, uh, uh, and, and I think it's just an amazing job doing that. Yeah, that's true. Um, I actually was on an aircraft carrier one time for um, for the family cruise. So I um, had a friend who was married to a guy in the Navy, and we went aboard, and unfortunately I got very seasick. And, um, <laughs> this is a much better experience watching it <laughs> in the theater and really seeing seeing it in action. You know, the, the cruise that I went on really was a cruise out to Catalina and came back, and so it's, it's, it's amazing to see it in action, sure. all that happens there. So um, how did you get involved in the film, Captain Cutherton? So uh, I was the commanding officer of USS Theodore Roosevelt, which was uh, one of two ships that was used primarily as the, as the focal point of it. Uh, a lot of the at-sea and flying scenes were done on Ronald Reagan, um, just as Mark said. Uh, but a lot of the uh, individual person-to-person, -person, the, the, that, that opportunity to sort of really capture what the sailors are thinking and, and make this more of a, a people story, uh, because... It, Aircraft carriers, as Mark said, are maybe they are the epitome of human accomplishment, but it's really the people that are on board them that make them so incredible and, and breathe life into those ships. Uh, and so uh, my crew and I were fortunate enough to have the opportunity to, to sort of be that piece of it, to, to give the film crew an opportunity to, to interview us and put us in circumstances uh, and sort of you know, talk through how we would solve problems that, that, uh, that they would give us to, to help tie the story together. And, and so that's how we uh, came to be part of the, the project. There are, after all, <clears throat> nearly 5,000 people aboard an aircraft carrier, and it's a city at sea, and uh, you could argue that the captain is the mayor of that city. And we wanted to give the audience a view of all the people um, and uh, how the dedication of these young men and women, and it is really the most one of the most diverse uh, ethnically um, gender workplaces on earth, and they all work together. Um, mm -hmm. It's just incredible. Yeah, we say all the time, uh, carrier aviation is the ultimate team sport. It really, <laughs> truly is. So, Yeah. So, behind-the-scenes story. Can you think of one, something that, I don't know, maybe it made it into the film or it didn't, but a behind-the-scenes story about making the film? I'll let you go first. Since well, you, you, saw, you saw both <laughs> sides of it. I'll let you go ahead and go first. Well, and he um, immediately laughed, so he's got of, something one good. One of my tasks was to arrange for the flight ops filming, that is to film our IMAX cameras during flight operations at sea and on, on board both ships. Uh, so we were very interested, we do a lot of aerial photography in getting our helicopter, our civilian helicopter, to land on board the Reagan during flight operations. And after some negotiation we had to figure out how to fuel that and have it meet the, the aircraft carrier 100, 150 miles at sea, our small little aircraft, our little helicopter. And we were told you can fly during flight ops and there'll be brief moments you can be on the deck, but if your helicopter is in the wrong place at the wrong time, we will let everybody get off and push it into the sea. <laughs> 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 so we were very careful about following. They were going to let you get off, yeah, so, so that was nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's one behind the scenes story. So I think uh, for me, um, as Mark indicated, uh, Stephen Lowe had, a, had a, sort of this grand vision of how this was all going to go. And so we're up on the bridge, and he's trying to uh, pose these situations and asking us to sort of play act through it so he can capture all the, the faces and what would really be said for what he had in his mind was going going on uh, and the rest of the film, you know, as it jumps back and forth. Uh, and so we're trying to imagine that and, and do that. And so, and so eventually he just told me, he's like, well, Craig, I, I just need you to act like you would really 
act if you were the CEO. So I said, okay, I got it. So so I started doing that and and kind of starting to get into it a little bit. And, and so I'm uh, standing up and looking around and trying to make the motions that I would normally do. And uh, well, one of the things that I do when an airplane is coming aboard when I, in the captain's chair on an aircraft carrier is you kind of turn to your left and look behind you. Well, not kind of being a neophyte to this whole film thing, what I didn't realize what I was doing is I was turning my bottom to the camera the entire time. And after about two or three minutes of that, Steven's like, yeah, if you could do that, but not show us your backside quite so often. Was, Got it. Okay, important blocking uh, discussion. But uh, what Captain Clapperton did so well was to help um, the entire team on the bridge, the crew, um, really enact what was going on and what, what was happening so we could intercut it into the flight operation scenes and it just worked seamlessly. And uh, so one of the things that's really interesting about that, right, is so um, we were not the carrier on rim pack and, and a lot of my crew who were very junior had never been on a rim pack before. Um, and so they were all, Captain, I don't know what to say. I said, look, the thing is, is whether you are operating in a multinational, you're operating on your own, you're conducting combat operations, what we do here on the bridge is the same and so we'll set up a scenario but i want you to say and do the exact same things that we would do if i give an order you respond to it just as you would uh in a live situation uh and i think that when you see the whole thing together you won't be able to tell that that we were sort of play acting a a, a, a script i mean there were actually there really was no script but, but that it just ties in and that's because uh, what you do on an aircraft carrier, really in any situation, peacetime operations, combat operations, training operations, uh, the concepts and the procedures are exactly the same. And that, that's so important to, to get that training and that sort of muscle memory into everybody. So uh, that was kind of a cool piece of it. Yeah, so it's really what you really do. It it's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. And in fact, every time we did something that was exactly what we that uh, we would do, and then Stephen would sort of catch on something, go, that was really good, what was that? Mm -hmm. And then we would stop and kind of go back because he wanted to make sure he captured that because he's like, that's a great piece of the story, mm -hmm. we really got to tell that. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So Mark, you've been the writer, producer, and or director on more than a dozen giant screen films, yep. including a couple of my personal favorites, Mystery of the Nile and Adventures in Wild California. So. How did you begin working in the wild world of giant screen films? Well, I was, <clears throat> I thought I was in, I studied international relations, politics, thinking I was going to be a diplomat in school. And as that almost finished that degree, I thought, well, I'd really want something a little more adventurous still. And I uh, narrowed it down to either architecture or film. And I got a terrific job working for a, a kind of a granddaddy of the documentary film world who's still alive today, a guy named D.A. Pennybaker. And that set me off on the idea of making stories about real people and their real lives. But the thing that got me hooked on the giant screen is I'm also an outdoor person. I like to, I don't like to spend my day in a sound stage. I like to be out in the real world. And so giant screen filmmaking is just that. You, you find yourself up on the top of a tallest tree in the Western Hemisphere trying to make a movie or on the flight deck of an aircraft carrier. And it's just suited me perfectly. So I've been doing that ever since. And Captain Clapperton, you're a Penn State graduate with a yep. degree in aerospace engineering. How did you decide on a career in the Navy? So uh, it's kind of a cheesy 1980s story. So uh, Top Gun came out. I think I was a, uh, soft, a sophomore or freshman in, in college that year. And uh, I, had, uh, I had applied for an ROTC scholarship out of high school uh, and got to the finals but didn't get it. And I was a little frustrated about that. So I went off to college. I did pretty well in my freshman year, but I knew much as Mark said is, hey, I like engineering, but I, I cannot sit behind a desk, uh, you know, solving math problems for the rest of my life. That's not what I'm about. 
Top Gun came out and I said, that's what I want to do. Uh, so um, kind of went in and talked to the recruiter and made sure I took all the right classes and made sure I focused on my grades appropriately. And then fortunately I was picked up uh, for an ROTC scholarship and then I was commissioned after my uh, senior year and the rest is history. So. Yeah, this is full circle because I've been saying this is like the real Top Gun. Well, sort of, yeah, right. <laughs> this movie. That, that's what this is. What really happens on board an aircraft carrier? So. Yeah, and then who knew that joining the Navy would uh, lead to a, a giant screen film that's career? That's right. Exactly. There you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. What do you both hope that audiences will take away from Aircraft Carrier Guardian of the Seas? Well, I, so I, I think it's inevitable that they'll take away the, the, the gee whiz factor, right? They're, they're going to see this amazing ship and these incredible airplanes and all this fast action and the submarines. And th so so that's great. I know that's a given. They're going to take that away. The, the visuals are just too overwhelming to not walk away with that. Um, I think what I really hope that they take away is how incredible the young men and women are that operate these machines. They're uh, very talented, very dedicated, very professional people. Uh, when you're on deployment, you're away from home for six to eight months at a time. Uh, you're working at least six days a week, 12 to 14 hours a day, doing incredibly dangerous, incredibly challenging things. Uh, and these young men and women on an aircraft carrier average 23 to 24 years old. They're doing it safely. They're doing it effectively. They're doing it efficiently. And when necessary, they're doing it with great lethality. Uh, and, and it's an incredibly important uh, sacrifice and service that they do for our country. So I hope some part of that story gets told or some, some part of that gets taken away from the, as the audience uh, watches the film as well. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, I knew that uh, Craig was going to jump right into what I would have said. <laughs> I think the technological marvel that that is all embodied in an aircraft carrier, everything from the launch systems, the retrieval systems, and they're touched on in this film. But the thing I hope most people take away is both the diversity, as I said, and the uh, the entire coordination and the dedication of a relatively young crew that is uh, working under conditions and intensity that most of us don't experience. It's really impressive. And I think this is a great opportunity for, for them to be able to show people, this is what I do, this is my job. Absolutely in a really profound way. Yeah, and they're super proud of having that opportunity when they do get visitors on board, whether it's, as you said, a Family and Friends Day cruise or a Tiger cruise or when DVs come out to visit us on the ship. They, the the visitors are always so surprised how charged up the, the young men and women are to talk about their job. It's because they love it, right? So they're super excited to have that opportunity to say, this is what I do because they're proud of what they do and, and, and they should be, so. And you see it tangibly. There are lines on that deck. If you're on this side of the line, you're safe. If you're on that side, you're not. And many a time a, a crew member would grab me by the shoulder and say, you know, over here. And they're out there watching you and, and their job. It's, it's impressive. Mark, what are some of the special technical demands of making a giant screen film? Well, first and foremost, giant screen films and films like that play in your brilliant dome have to be uber high definition, ultra, ultra high definition to look good on these giant spaces. So that takes a, a particularly uh, adept camera, whether it's a 70 millimeter film camera that holds only three minutes of film, that's what we do the aerials with, or a an 8K digital camera that runs hot and can be put out of operation by radar, <laughs> which happened. Oh. Um, so there's a lot of demands, and we had to literally That wasn't drawn up in the technical specs <laughs> of the radar. We, we missed that in the development. <laughs> there was a side of the aircraft you couldn't fly around with the helicopter or the camera would stop working, so we had to stay over. Um, so I think um, we'd spend a lot of time preparing so that we can come in and not interrupt. I mean, after all, this is work that's going on, and we can't stop it. So. 
there are special demands. It, we're not just wandering around with small reality show cameras, that there's that. Um, and then the, the we aerial photography is such a big part of what we do. And having the ability to get our helicopters so close to both the landing and launching of aircraft, watch for that when you're watching the film. Just how close the camera? How did they let them get that close? Right. <laughs> and it's impressive and I think safe at the same time. So. And I think that's one of the other, you know, from the from the safety side of it is, um, we talked about that, right? The, the flight deck, you know, as they say, four and a half acres of the world's most dangerous territory, and it really is. Um, and so to be up there, not as we would always say in the Navy, with your head on a swivel looking around you all the time, but not with your head on a swivel looking down to make sure you're getting that perfect shot because this may be the only chance you get. Um, so, and there's, and it's not a quiet place. It's not a cool place. It's hot. It's noisy. There's jet blast going everywhere. Uh, so it's, it's about it. Well, it's a very challenging place to work just in a normal day. So I can imagine when you're not allowed to look around and you have to get the perfect film shot and you get one shot to do it. It's uh, it's pretty unique. It's certainly not a movie studio. That's for sure. Yeah. In this film, you actually take us into the cockpit of jets. You take us into submarines which are tight spaces as they are. Yeah, um, how did you get those shots? Well, first of all, you have to get permission to be there. <laughs> and, um, and partly, again, it is this digital revolution has given us a chance to shrink the, f the format of our cameras and also to record more realistic sound because the older film cameras were quite noisy. So we could do that. That was the primary um, way we went about that with, um, as I say, we're always looking for the next best um, as Captain Clapperton was saying earlier, the technology keeps changing and evolving on board the, the um, aircraft carrier. But the same is true of our industry. In fact, our DP, Sean Phillips, who shot this, he said, Mark, it's the Wild West. You know, every few months there's another camera I have to learn about. Right. So we keep pushing the envelope just as the U.S. Navy does. And it's, it keeps us on our toes. I, I um, It's like going to school for every project to b both learn about the Navy and their procedures. And then, well, what's the best tool today to do this? Speaking of technology, I think one of the most fascinating things is showing actually the technology aboard the ship um, and the engineering that's involved. And I think that's beautifully done in the film. So you're really seeing how those arrest cables work, how, how, the, um, how the aircraft are launched right. off of the deck. And I think that's an amazing job that you guys did. Well, and they, they, they did. It's just you can almost feel it, really. Uh, you really can. And, um, and on that thread of the technology always evolving so Nimitz class aircraft carriers the 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 Nimitz herself is uh the is of course the oldest that's what the class is named after uh and she's into her 40th year now so Nimitz class aircraft carriers have been around operating for over 40 years and of course they were designed 10 and 15 years before that so uh the technology the base technologies of these uh, ships has been really enduring um and uh, the, now of course moving forward with the ford class carrier which is the the next generation uh each of these is scheduled to last 50 years so every single one of the aircraft carriers is going to last 50 years um and so we had 10 Nimitz class aircraft carriers and now the 11th is the Ford but if you think about that that's 500 years of carrier life that has to exist on this uh, same technology platform now certainly the weapon systems and the radars are continually evolving uh, to, to, to keep pace because they have to be just as relevant in 50, year 50 as they were in year one um, but it but it's an amazing accomplishment and really just genius design to come up with something that is relevant that far into the future uh, and when we look at 
the Ford, it really is a completely different aircraft carrier than than a Nimitz. With you were talking about the cables and the the launching systems, of course, on the Ford they're uh, electromagnetic and they use water twisters to stop them. And it, it just it's, it's some amazing. Te- the radars are all incredibly different on the Ford. If you thought ours gave you a hard time, you can, you can only imagine what the ones on the Ford did. So so that that technology has taken a huge leap forward. But again, th- that's the technology that 500 years worth of carrier life. Uh, is going to last for you know well into the the 21st century. It's a, it's a pretty amazing accomplishment. Indeed. Yes, and we were looking to glimpse a little bit of the Ford, but it, its development just didn't fit our schedule. Um, um, but we certainly did examine the electromagnetic launch and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, um, and uh, retrieval systems. And it's what's interesting is that you see how things are proven and how things have lasted. I mean, the current uh, launch systems are so bulletproof, and yet they find a way to build on it. So. Yeah, it's it's an amazing. And what you did capture, the F-35, JSF, of course, is really the, the future for the Air, U.S. Air Force and Naval Aviation, as well as many of our allies as well. And, yep. um, you know, when you, when, you, when you see that airplane coming up on the elevators and going down the cat stroke, it, you, you can tell that that is not an F-18. Mm-hmm. It is a, a very different, uh, clearly a next-generation level airplane. Of so. course, and when you can see, and we use some great CGI's, very talented people, when the pilot looks down and he literally sees through the fuselage mm-hmm. of his aircraft, so he can see. 360. Right. It's yeah, the, the helmet, they, they they don't see the airplane around them. They see through it. It's it's incredible. Yeah, so nobody's pulling that Top Gun maneuver right and sneaking <laughs> right. up on you. That's right. You're yeah. going to see them in that yeah, jet. That's right. In that jet, you can't get away with that one, right? So. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. I mean, I was like, I want to fly that yeah. jet. Well, and then when you speak of cutting-edge technology, when as we were adding the F-35 to the um, finishing the film, there was always, well, what can we show and what can't we sure. show? Sure, yeah. It had to be you know back and forth. And, well, and you guys did a great job with that too, just within the rim pack, and then showing combat direction center and the bridge and all the rest of that. To, you, you know, you you captured the right stuff. You told the story without having to, you know, show all the classified displays and capabilities. So, and that's not an easy thing to do. That's for sure. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> What's next for both of you, Mark? What's what, what's your well, next project? Uh, I'm working on a project called Out of Bounds that's a, it's kind of a mountain ecology story. We're going to follow a young snowboard Olympic champion named Tora Bright. She's Australian, imagine that. And she's won a gold and a, and a silver medal at the Olympics. And as she's becoming more of a mountain ambassador, we're going to use her to lead us through a story about the the state of uh, alpine environments in today's world and preserving the snow and, and of course, do some exciting skiing and snowboarding while we learn. That sounds fun. Pretty cool. I want to get in on that project. <laughs> <laughs> that like a good deal. What's next for you, Captain Clapperson? Well, so I'm working uh, on the staff now. I turned over command to Theodore Roosevelt in July, uh, and I'm just uh, sort of keeping my fingers crossed to wait and see what happens with the promotion list, and uh, I'll find out hopefully in March, and hopefully it's good news, but we'll wait and see. All right. We'll be rooting for yeah, you. Thank you very much. Well, that's fantastic. We're super excited to have this film here at the Science Center. We'll be showing it daily in our Highkoff Giant Dome Theater, which is the world's first IMAX Dome Theater. Come down and see Aircraft Carrier Guardian of the Seas. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.